0: Hey Amarillo, I'm Jason Boyette, and you're listening to Hey Amarillo, the interview podcast featuring some of the most interesting people and stories of Amarillo, Texas. Hey Amarillo is sponsored this week by Dr. Eddie Sauer, who practices general dentistry at Shimon Dental Group. Dr. Sauer has my 16-year-old son on Invisalign to correct some teeth positioning, and Owen loves it. Well, I I guess he tolerates it, because he's had metal brackets and braces before, and this is way better. Dr. Sauer is an expert on it. He teaches Invisalign techniques all over the United States. To learn more, visit shemendental.com. That's S-H-E-M-E-N. This episode is also sponsored by SKP Creative. Social media is essential for your business these days, but it's always changing. It can be a headache. If you need help in this area, talk to the team at SKP Creative, whose data-driven communication strategies can help your business grow and thrive. Visit skpcreative.com today to learn more and schedule a free social media evaluation for your business. SKP Creative. Make it happen. Today's guest is Jeff Wyrick. I met Jeff in early 2018 when I heard a monthly ping pong tournament had sprouted up in a garage in Olson Park. So I showed up there. There were about a dozen guys there that night. And since then, because of Jeff's leadership... Shake Hands Pong, that's what the monthly tournament is called, has turned into a mini phenomenon among the city's table tennis enthusiasts. It's gotten national attention, too, with some big ping pong brands sponsoring the events, which is crazy. Jeff is a visionary, and he has created a true local community among a diverse group of male and female players. Even if you don't play, even if you're not into ping pong, this is worth a listen because it's such an Amarillo thing. Here's Jeff Wyrick. Jeff Wyrick, welcome to the hey Amarillo podcast. Thanks for being here.
1: Thank you, Jason. Nice to be here.
0: Well, I, uh, I know that at some point we're going to end up talking about ping pong in Amarillo, mm-hmm. but <laughs> I don't want to just jump right into that. Before we get to that point, I'd like to hear a little bit more about your story, how okay. you ended up here, kind of what brought you to Amarillo
1: in the first place. I came to Amarillo for good. I, well, I was born and raised in Lubbock. Amarillo, I've I always had a family in Amarillo. My grandma lived here for quite some time, so I was kind of familiar with the town. I didn't live here until uh, be two thousand two. Uh, okay. I moved here for work. Uh, came here and was working for Hastings uh, Entertainment. I worked in the music division there for my entire career. And here from two thousand two to about uh, two thousand twelve. You know, like two thousand
0: twelve. So you go- you got out before. Some of the some no, of the no, drama. is that it, when it happened? No,
1: yeah. So, so I moved away in 2012. I wanted to get a little bit more diverse retail experience, kind of wanted to get a different lay of the land. So, we moved to Topeka, Kansas, Lawrence, Kansas. I worked for Payless Shoes. Okay. Up there did planning for them. An- another uh, another. Business yeah, got- yeah, <laughs> I know it's, it's. You're the Grim Reaper oh, yeah, of retail, no, right? <laughs> got the Midas touch, don't <laughs> I? But yeah, I we moved up there um, so I could you know work with a different retail model. Uh, it was a global model. They did global sourcing. It's completely different animal. We had our second child when we were up there, my wife and I and felt it was uh, kind of unsustainable. I have two kids that far away from home base, which okay. was Texas. We moved to the Metroplex, where uh, my wife's parents live and family. Uh, we lived in Fort Worth. I worked for uh, Pier 1 doing very similar work, corporate planning, uh, merchandise planning. And then uh, we got the call to come back to uh, West Texas for my wife's work and uh, kind of got an offer we couldn't really refuse. and. Um, I guess part of me was kind of longing for uh, to come back to West Texas, and uh, so jumped at the chance. I walked back in the doors of Hastings, and they uh, offered me a, a different gig, a different position to work for them. And eight months after that, this was in I guess 2016. About eight months after I came back on, um, they were uh, letting me go. I wouldn't say that it was much of a surprise uh, when I came in. You know, looking at numbers, you know, looking at the inventory numbers, the sales. I mean, it was, the deck was stacked against us and, you know, I knew that there was a lot of work to be done. Uh, wasn't fully confident that we could, you know, pull ourselves out of that hole, but was going to give it every bit of effort that I could. But, um, but yeah, it was, uh, too uh too much too late you know to overcome and so then i've been out of hastings since uh would be 2016
0: and then where did you end up after that
1: um well no good question uh took a couple of gigs after that uh, and tried to kind of scrap something together um it was tough you know i mean i went out of work for close to my full term of unemployment okay and then uh I went to work for uh, for Cabernet's Beef, doing production planning and sales for them. It's kind of been an unexpected blessing. Didn't expect to be working in the meat industry. A lot of my business background, you know, working in retail, a lot of it applied and a lot of it doesn't. So there was a lot of learning there, but, you Give know. Give people,
0: like I, listeners, an idea of Cabernet's, you know, I, I think people understand, you know, a beef processing plant and that sure. sort of thing. But like you work here... In Amarillo, Uh you know, you're not out of the plant or anything like that. So tell me kind of how that works and and what the the scope of cavanus is. Yeah,
1: sure. So my plant uh, that I predominantly work with is a, a joint venture up in Boise, Idaho. Basically, I, man, you know, watching the numbers come in from the plant, they tell me what what kind of livestock they're uh, they're harvesting, and I tell them, you know, what products to make out of those based on the size of the animal, the fat complexion of the animal. I mean, there's, you know... number of different data points i do that every day and uh, every day that they're open i tell them what to uh, to produce off of that hall of livestock and we're at about you know 1600 head a day right now okay so and that's all uh, just
0: from like a corporate office yeah corporate kind of office here. downtown amarillo
1: uh-huh. uh you know just uh yeah and it's uh Never really thought I'd be doing it, but, uh, you know, there's a lot of things in my life that have been kind of unexpected. I've kind of learned to let God's plan unfold and, you know, just don't push things. You know, after after Hastings went under, I guess you kind of have to hit the reset button. And mm-hmm. when that happened, I was at an age that I didn't think I'd be resetting my career. Yeah, it's kind uh, of a tough, uh, tough yeah, time Yeah, it's to tough. Do it. Very tough. We really mold over what it meant, you know, to stay in Amarillo. You know, I wouldn't say that was the easiest decision. I had to find work. I knew whatever I had to do, I was going to do it, and uh, so yeah, things kind of fell into place. uh, Tell me, tell me about working for Hastings
0: during that first set. You know, when you were working with music, and it was still you know the Hastings that we grew up with, and sort of going into that transitional period where it went from. You know, selling CDs to selling CDs and skateboards and right. stuff like that. I mean, yeah. were you kind of in the mix with with all that? Yeah, stuff or? Uh,
1: second second time around. Second time. So the first Absolutely. time you were you were yeah doing I was music. I right? was fully music. I mean, and uh, and even kind of going through their transition out of. Uh, I mean, I was there whenever we were transitioning out of cassettes. You okay. Know I mean, uh, but then you know, moving from CDs and you know, breaking down the space between CDs and vinyl, and whenever we were starting to roll out vinyl. Uh, in the stores. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's about right about when I was exiting out my first time. And then when I came back in, it was really probably more on the new business end. So like you mentioned, skate decks, comics, action figures, collectibles. I mean, all of that, those products that were kind of introduced into that space to supplement some of the shortfall that they were experiencing in the other industries, right? The core industries, DVD, books, and CDs, right? I was in that, business which is kind of called lifestyles or trends that was what I was doing business planning so
0: for. if if you look at you know your career going from music to payless shoes and Pier one i mean what what would you say like people say what do you do well obviously you've done a lot of different things sure. but like what's the thread that ties all those things together
1: you know I, I think my mother my mother's she's um retired now but she was an algebra teacher i hated math when i was growing up hated it absolutely hated it but i've found out that whenever you know my livelihood depended on it i could learn it when there was practical applications of math you know the old story problems like i could get it it made sense if it was just doing algebra, I just, I was bored out of my mind. Right. You
0: needed somebody to be in a train and moving at a certain yeah. speed. And Absolutely. A certain yeah.
1: I think, you know, I'm a numbers guy, you know, and, and I like the, the study of numbers, the relationship, and there's no shortage of of data points at, at you know, corporate detail or corporate retail level or even at a meatpacking plant. Just all of kind of making sense of all of that. And then once you make sense of the the present or the past, and you can tell that story for the future, right? And you can build models that can help, you know, make a business grow. And that's what I always really loved is once I got into like corporate math and, you know, the design of, of retail and how it works and the ins and outs of inventory and sales and margin, it was like, I found my fit. You know, I found something that I could really sink my teeth into, if that makes sense. Did you go to college? I did, yeah. What, what did Texas you study? Okay. Uh, advertising and marketing. Yeah. All right, so <laughs> yeah. a, a little uh, bit of a
0: oh, connection. Yeah, completely different. I was you know? I was
1: a copywriter for a while. No, you have some. Yeah. Uh, some done a little bit of that. Copy and, and about eight months into my first gig out of uh, college, I was, uh, I was sent packing. At that point, I kind of got hungry for like, well, that might not be what I'm supposed to be doing, right? And then I went back to work at... Hastings full-time. I was a part-time throughout college and uh, took the full-time gig. And, you know, that's kind of the start of my Hastings career, you know, coming from the stores up to the corporate offices.
0: Yeah. I, I ask this question of people who grew up sort of in small panhandle towns, you know, mm-hmm. like Pampa or Dumas or something. I haven't asked this to somebody who grew up in Lubbock, mm-hmm. but like, tell me what you thought about Amarillo as a Lubbock guy you know, yeah. a kid who kind of came of age, went to tech, all that sort of thing. Was that sort of Lubbock-Amarillo rivalry the same on the Lubbock side as it kind of can be
1: here? You know, you grow up in Lubbock schools, right? I mean, Amarillo High, Tesco's a high. Right. I'm a Coronado kid. So, I mean, there was, there was kind of natural like sports rivalries that were right. to play. I never really got a good sense of like the, the kind of city, you know, city rivalry. I always thought Amarillo was kind of a you know, just a dusty highway, like Cowtown. you know, I mean, it, uh, a little noisier than Lovick. you know, Lubbock was a little sleepier, even though you had the university, mm-hmm. but, uh, you know, after spending now vast majority of my adult life in Amarillo, you know, I kind of consider myself kind of a weird hybrid, okay. you know, I was born and raised in Lubbock. I always claim Lubbock as my hometown, but I try to kind of, you know, push Amarillo. I love it here. Wasn't what I expected. It was kind of Stayed longer than I thought I was going to stay. Yeah, you know, certainly didn't expect to be raising a family in this town, but I'm glad things worked out the way they did.
0: So let's let's talk about ping pong a little bit. Okay, um, uh, I I don't want to presume that everybody who might be listening, although I I know there's a lot of overlap, but that everybody has heard of of shake hands or, or has a good idea of it. So tell me what it is now, and then let's talk about how it started.
1: Uh, what it is now, shake hands is. Um, a pretty well-established monthly ping pong tournament, ping pong table tennis, call it what you want. It's become a you know a community that's predictably about 25, 30 players every uh, month. The names come and go; they switch out. You know, some people are here one month, are gone next. Men and um, women. Men and women. Yeah, we do. We do. But you know, it's it's probably ninety percent men, but you know, we've kind of a you know community of inclusion, right? We don't. We don't. Turn anybody away because of their, uh, you know, whether it's nationality or or gender. Uh, we encourage, uh, you know, fathers and sons. We have come mm-hmm. play, right? Uh, we try to embrace as much as we can. It's, it's it's sometimes a difficult balance, but it is. It's a it's a monthly tournament. We've really never turned anybody away. I don't think we've seen the 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 ceiling yet, but yeah, it's usually it's about thirty players. What it started as was. I don't know. I mean, I think at, in the in the windfall of Hastings closing, moved to a new neighborhood, again, a, another soft reset. You know, it was a huge transition, but what I found was I lost a lot of that community that, you know, was at Hastings, right? I okay. mean, I spent 40 hours plus a week at work. I had friends at work, you know, when Hastings went under, everybody's leaving town. There's a lot of vacancies in kind of my friend space. And, uh, through church, I started to kind of establish a little bit more of kind of my friends. Um, what church is it? First Presbyterian downtown. Okay. I had this ping pong table that we were hauling from move to move to move. Probably traveled with it longer than I should have. And... Uh, I was about to sell it on Craigslist, just trying to, you know, kind of loosen, you know, kind of lighten our load around the house and the garage. And I think, you know, before we do that, I really, we probably played on it once. I've been hauling this thing all the way from Kansas back to Fort Worth and back to Amarillo. I said, you know, we should probably just get like one last turn out of this thing. I invited... Um, people from our Sunday school class. I think I, well, I didn't, it wasn't an open invite. It was just guys. Yeah. I figured it would be a nice kind of guy bonding experience. And anyhow, we set it up. Well, I, I put out Shake Hands. It was just a kind of dumb name I came up with. I like the way it looked, you know, from a copy side, right? It's a 10 letter word, compound word, yeah. five and five. You know, there's just a lot of, you know, the letters just look really good. And I said, oh, we'll just call it Shake Hands. Shake Hands is, kind of a double meaning, right? It's, uh, you know, there's kind of a social aspect of shake hands, right? And, and that's kind of what I intended it to be, but then also it's how you hold a racket, right? right it's a shake right. hands grip versus the pin hold. So I kind of like that that kind of double just meaning. Just to
0: get into some really, you know, high ping pong yeah, terminology. Right. Most <laughs> people right. may not know, but that's... But,
1: but I you know, I like the idea of just having something that was a little bit of a mystery, and then I think I even put underneath it the, the subline that said, like, Center City Pong Circuit or something. Just really stupid. But I I, kind of like that idea like, oh, yeah, you're coming into something that's real established. Well, it was our first one. Right. right? I mean, like, we had 10 people show up. That was what? Uh, That would have been September, September September of 2017. Okay. Yeah, we had like maybe eight or 10 people show up. It was in my garage. It was one table. And then we had such a good time. I was like, well, let's do it next month. Well, we skipped a month because it was the Olsen Park Oktoberfest, and they were like, "Oh, you don't want to do it, you know? No one will show up, so we didn't." But we really haven't missed a month since, and uh, it was—it's been kind of a, you know, a community of just say yes, and we'll figure it out, right? Like, just keep your foot on the pedal and and uh, just keep going. We added tables. We did started doing double elimination bracket. We did doubles. I mean, like it was sure we'll try anything, right? And then we started charging and like an entry fee. You know, I didn't think we could even charge for it. But then, uh, with some encouragement, we started charging. You know, which I thought was pretty minimal. I mean, we think we put together a pretty good return for you know people's investment, ten yeah. to fifteen dollars. And uh, you know, we think we give ten to fifteen dollars worth of entertainment. You know, oh, but but it is that kind of finding what that right fit is. And I, I still think that we're kind of in a growth. Trajectory. I mean, I don't. I don't think we've really hit the ceiling yet.
0: I want to give people because you're talking about it fairly humbly um, as mm-hmm. as somebody who's participated. I want to give people a sense of what it's like that mm-hmm. this is something that started in a garage, you know, with a few guys, mm-hmm. and has turned into a space with multiple tables with 35 to 40 guys, mm-hmm. sponsorship, mm-hmm. beer provided by beer distributors. Yeah. <laughs> um, Multiple brackets, like for uh-huh. casual, you know, uh-huh. living room players to right. really good players to like almost pros. I mean, we've sure. had former Olympians show yeah, sure. up and yeah. dominate us. Uh-huh. We've had you know players come from Kansas or sure. from Lubbock. I mean, it's yes, it's gone way beyond just. Hanging out in a garage, and, oh, yeah. and smacking a ball around. Yeah, to what I mean it is it's today.
1: it's become. I mean it's become a for me very involved. I wouldn't say it's a gig because it doesn't pay, right? But but it's a, it's kind of a passion project because I mean, like you said, I I undersell it only because I guess when you're in it, it's hard to it's hard to kind of see that growth, right? But yeah, I mean, I think you kind of hit on something that's really important: is that we do accommodate. attempt to accommodate all levels of players. Right. And I think that that is probably one of the key elements because, um, it takes a a bit of juggling. You might have new players and you don't know where to slot them. Well, you don't want to put them up against the best and have them just get slaughtered. Right. The emphasis is on people having a good time and doing something that they've never done before. And then if they feel, feel welcome, do it again, you know? And so there is that balance that we want people to feel challenged you know, in in that space, not just playing the sport, but even socially,
0: right? Well, because you can interact with all kinds of different people. I mean, when you look at who's a ping pong player in Amarillo, Uh well, some of them are attorneys and some of them, you know, are driving up from other places or they're college students. So, I mean, it's a Uh real diverse mix of people. Yeah.
1: And and when we, we started to swing the door wide open by way of Instagram and Facebook and You know, I've just always been in a, well, let's see if we can go so big, we break it, you know, and if we break it, we just fix it, right? There's nothing on the line here. What I really wanted to kind of establish was that everybody was welcome always. And like you said, once we hit that point, it was like, look at the diverse group of people that are here. It's really something remarkable. Whenever we started kind of getting into growth and there were people that were on the outside that were kind of, hey, can I come, can I come? Names that no one even heard of before, right? That's when I started to think, wow, we're really onto something. One such player uh, wanted me to tell him, How good the players were, you know, what kind of tables we were playing on.
0: Somebody who has like standards, you know, as opposed to most of us who are just playing in garages and stuff, you know?
1: And and for me, I wanted to be really careful and like not spelling it out for people because I wanted there to be some level of discomfort. I like tension and I like people walking into the room, like not knowing what they're getting themselves Mm -hmm. into. Once you're there, you know, I consider you kind of family. I hope that everybody does there's kind of a secret handshake element to it that it's like, you just got to walk up and do it, you know? And sometimes people, sometimes people just have those boundaries where it's like, I need to practice beforehand or what if I get slaughtered or whatever? And it's like, that's not, that's not what this is about. It's about community first.
0: And it's, it's an interesting sort of social experiment. Cause I, I've thought a lot about it and, and why it's fun. Um, I, I think I may have been at either the second or third garage tournament, which mm-hmm. was the one that I showed up to. Yeah. Um, and I've been pretty involved since then. but you know ping pong is something that is super accessible True. You've got to have you know two people to do it, so you can't really do it in isolation. Mm-hmm. but if, if you're doing it like you're playing at home you know yeah, with a family member or a granddad or something right. like that, and there's rarely that kind of competition. Unless you're real intentional about it with yeah. a lot of different people. You know, yeah. you learn to play one or two people, mm-hmm. um, or you do it in college in your dorm or something like that. Right. And to take this game that so many people are familiar with, but so few people have really done it in like a, a group setting or mm-hmm. with people of different skills and yeah. different techniques, that it is, whether you're good or not, there's a real learning curve and there's a real discomfort to it.
1: Yeah. And again, adults, Kind of stepping out, right? Like you kind of plateau socially, you know, what, mid 30s? Yeah, I mean, I'm yeah, just You're guessing. not going to meet any new people. You're not going to yeah. meet any new people. And I just, I, it, it kind of scratches a couple of different itches for me because it is, it's like I get to meet people, you know, uh, I get to meet people on this platform. Um, some people I'll never see again. Uh, other people become close friends, you know? And it is, it's, 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 it's really just kind of that test of, like you said, I think you said it very well that people learn this game like it it is a low barrier of entry, right, right? You just we need need try to person. make it as easy as possible. We'll provide rackets, you know, quality rackets for for people who like craft beer. I mean, like that's provided for free right? or you know, you pay to enter, right? But it is it's like just to to find you know some kind of game that is accessible that is, uh, kind of has a social element to it, right? I mean, sometimes we've seen guys who play each other for the first time. Next thing you know, they're in the corner talking about whatever, right? Yeah. Talk about life. I'll, that That's cool. It's not an aggressive game. It's intended to be fun. It's not very physical. I mean, it can't be, physical but it depends on who you're playing it depends on who you're playing and and more physical the better i mean i like just sometimes just sitting back and watching the matches you know Uh, sometimes with reluctance i enter myself because i'm like i'd rather just chill and just watch people play
0: tell me what you know you you talked about as an adult and and having your little tribe you know that's related to work and then Mm -hmm. losing that and having to reboot tell me about that sense of community you know and, and the way that when people have gotten involved, that's part of the draw. I mean, mm-hmm. yes, it's attached to table tennis and a game that they may mm-hmm. love, but that's what they find, and that's kind of what keeps them going back. Whether they win or lose, you know, it's, right. it's that community. Tell me about sort of that hunger for, for that among, you know, guys or adults or whatever.
1: I can't really explain, you know, what other people's, you know, draw is to it. I, I think for myself, you get into such a kind of routine, you know, with life— I go to work. I work in a small office with five people. And, you know, not that not that those relationships are, are trivial in any way, but I think that—and and even when you get in, like, church settings. I mean, we go to a big church, but, you know, my branch on that tree is kind of small. Yeah. I have a wife and two kids who I love. But things get kind of in this very regimented, very routine. And what I found, you know— with a monthly tournament, it's my opportunity to hang out potentially with new people that I've never hung out with before. I know that there are people that come just to hang out, mm-hmm. right? I mean, they bring a racket and they intend on playing, but I've seen guys that go like myself. I happen to be one of the worst players out there. I go two and zero or zero and two, right? And I'm sitting for the rest of the evening. But that's when that's, that's when, when, when the fun. real community yeah. starts to kind of take hold. And like for me. I'm just a people person. I like being around people. I'm not particularly sociable, but I like being around people. I like watching people. I like, you know, just that interaction. You call it kind of like a social experiment, and in ways it is. Reluctantly, that's what it kind of takes to get people together these days, right? But you have to force it. You have to push it. And in uh, and, and a lot of ways, I mean, I think Mason called me the pusher man one time. it's like, well, that's what I do. That's Mason Rogers. Mason Rogers. Former podcast and, guest. And, and excellent, uh, ex- excellent ping pong player. But there is that push. I have to push. It's not enough just to, to open up the garage or the warehouse, have beer cold and, you know, rackets and music ready to, ready to go. It's like, no, you have to, you really have to push people. Because I have found that while some people are a natural fit for a social setting, the vast majority aren't. Yeah. You know, they kind of get locked into that same routine. And it takes something just to disrupt them, to kind of get them out of that, uh, for them to kind of see the benefits of it.
0: I, I know you have a little bit of a marketing background, you know, mm-hmm. having done that in college. Tell me about the branding of the ping pong thing, mm-hmm. because I, I have sort of the sense being close to it that about half of the draw was, oh, there's these guys playing ping pong right. every month. And the other half was like the coolness of the social media feed. Mm. You know, whether it's from the logos you designed or yeah, yeah. Um, the photos or the way that you just announced, you know, different tournaments and stuff. Was, was that right. intentional or was that just sort of, you kind of played it by ear uh, and yeah, it, it I, turned out being cool?
1: Mostly accidental. I mean, you know, even from like, the early beginnings. I mean, I was just, cause
0: like you branded it from the beginning when it wasn't yeah, anything you yeah. say, Oh, it's going to have a
1: name. It's got a logo. You know it's what's got cool, a, a what's cool is that I guess if I kind of step back and look at it, you know, when you're in advertising and marketing, you're doing other people's products. Right. And you have to craft your voice to to speak to that product. Yeah. I might not use like a certain laundry detergent or eat, you know, some microwave dinners, but I have to find how to speak for that product. Well, if it comes from you, it's a lot easier just to speak it, right? Yeah. I didn't really know kind of what I was doing, you know, in the, from the early going. I know that I like a little bit of mystery. I don't want to roll it all out for you. I don't want to spell it out for you. You just have to come. So, a lot of the early stuff, the early graphic works was like, oh, I don't want to show anybody's faces and yeah. dark shadows and. You know, have kind of a real gritty aesthetic to it, but yeah, kind of this this seventies, yeah, you know, yeah. punk and it, New it, York kind yeah. of grit to it. Or? And that, and 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 I just didn't really. I don't really like the the kind of bright shiny gloss, right? I kind of like the idea of like dusty garages, and you know, kind of wanted at least that to kind of capture whatever I put out on social media or whatever, just to kind of be that, right? And and we played at night. You know, we started at eight o'clock and we're going to one o'clock in the morning. Like I didn't want people to think like, you know, this is totally accessible. There are limitations. So, you know, a lot of it was just accidental. And then through that, I kind of developed the way I like things to look, Um, you know, whether it's we're doing another, you know, charity event, what the t-shirt should look like and things like that. Because I mean either by accident or intentional, there is a voice and there's kind of a brand to it. And so, you know, it's kind of up to, you know, either myself or whoever's contributing to kind of speak that brand. We don't know where it's going to go, but we know where it's at right now. And I like to keep it pretty fluid and liquidous. I I don't like to be locked in uh, one look or you know whatever so i'm always trying new things cuz i think you know that's kind of the spirit of the league
0: All right so speaking of new things tell me a couple of the things coming up this summer cuz i know summer has you know last year was a pretty big growth time yeah. for yeah, sure. um, for the event uh so tell me what's what's on the docket right now okay
1: in june we do have a tournament planned for 575 hillside uh, 575 pizzeria um Brian, who i'm a big fan and he's played in one of our tournaments came to me with the idea on on a Sunday afternoon, clearing out the restaurant, putting tables in, um, and having a shake hands tournament uh, there in the restaurant. So we'll be doing that in June. Okay. The theme is Beastie Boys. We have musical themes for yeah. We, we haven't even covered again. that <laughs> yet. But. <laughs> um, but we'll be doing uh, that event. It's a Sunday afternoon. It's June thirtieth. Following that, uh, we're now doing our second uh, annual. End Alzheimer's, um, Maggie's Warriors uh, event. We'll be doing that at Six Car again, downtown in the in the uh, the garden outside. Okay. What's really cool about that event, it's a, I think a $35 entry. Um, all of that money that we raise, whether it's from entry fees or donations, goes to Maggie's Warriors. Uh, Matt Henry, who is just a beautiful person, uh, he lost his mother uh, six, seven years ago to Alzheimer's. From that point, he's really been passionate about raising awareness of Alzheimer's, uh, raising money for the Alzheimer's Association. He does walks. Uh, He came to me like, you know, can we do this? We were at a point where I'm like, yeah, sure. And he's one of those
0: early, early participants in it, right? Absolutely, yeah.
1: And then we kind of go back to Hastings. We worked at Hastings together. And so, you know, he came to me asking me if we could, you know, do like a fundraiser. And we really hadn't kicked the tires on fundraising for anything. But, I mean, I felt like we we were – Somewhat responsible when you have that kind of momentum and people that are kind of buying in on something it's like, man, I mean, can we turn this into something good for somebody yeah and uh, and so that's that was our first fundraiser that we did. We'll do that again uh, forty eight people can enter. Uh, we are actually having a junior. Uh, division, uh, which is new for us. Again, I try to like like to try new things. Uh, so we'll do a, a seventeen and under okay. uh, division. Uh, they play for spots into the evenings. Uh, double elimination, which is going to be uh, eighteen and up. And uh, so that would be on July twenty seventh. Okay. Hopefully, it's the same night again as the uh, Harley rally because that was fun last year. Just you know, Harley's just going up and down Polk and great event downtown kind of showcase downtown august we're still in the works uh but for august uh what we're planning right now is a doubles tournament it's the first time we've done a doubles tournament uh you pick your team
0: which will make the seating pretty challenging yeah for you i mean at, at right. this point you kind of know who's going to play you've seen them before you have a sense you know generally yeah. of their skill
1: but with mm-hmm. doubles doubles yeah. it makes know? the seating challenging but what's what's also cool is your wins and losses count Yeah. And so you're probably it's probably in your best interest if you're a player that's, say, you know, ranked third or fifth to probably not partner with a number one player. Right. You've got to you've got to be really picky about who you choose to partner with. Mm -hmm. You want to win, but you don't want your partner also to get credits for the winner. You're not going to gain any ground. That will be our last event of the second season which is just sounds weird just to even say. It. Yeah. Um, and then September will conclude with the launch of the third season. And, uh, you know, just ride that bike until you fall off. I mean, we haven't seen uh, anything slow down. So, you know, keep going.
0: One of the questions I ask people about a lot of different, you know, events or activities, you know, that take place here is how much of the character of it or the success of it is an Amarillo thing. Like had mm. you stayed in Dallas, do you think something like this could have caught on the way that it has here? Mm. Or is it something that might've happened, you know, in Lubbock? I mean, can, can you like tie a, a piece of life in Amarillo and say, yeah, this is, this is one of the big, the big parts of it.
1: Yeah. You know, it's interesting you say that because I like to keep an eye, especially, I mean, social media these days, it's all so accessible. I like to keep an eye on if there's similar things that are going on, which shockingly, I haven't really seen it. Now, hmm. I know that Fort Worth tried to get a similar league off the ground, uh, just kind of on their own, no connection to us, but they did one event and that was it, right? Wow. I mean, I think you have a lot of options when you get into bigger cities. And I think when you start to, when you're working with like a quarter of a million people, a lot of people leave town on, on the weekends, right. you know? And and it's kind of nice to see people that are, you mentioned starved or, you know, hungry for connection and community. It's like, I think that our city needs more opportunities and this might be kind of proof of that. I mean, no one thought that's, I, I didn't think it was going to work. I was concerned about doing the second or the third, like going, you know, putting myself out there. But once it started to work, it was like, yeah, I think that people really need connection. In the bigger city, I think there's a lot of challenges. There's geographic challenges. I don't want to travel all the way across town. I mean, we're small, we're self-contained. Most of our players come from four or five different neighborhoods and we're yeah. all kind of gravitated in the same space. And so it's easy to kind of assemble these different events. Not only that, I mean, we've got a lot of people that volunteer time and energy and space. I don't know if you have the same sense of community and connection and i'm willing to sacrifice this for that uh that come in bigger cities um i think something like this could definitely work in lubbock i think something like this could work in probably even albuquerque Hmm. uh you know you get in you get into the bigger bigger cities it's like uh, they're just it's too much too much coordination too much logistics involved uh, to probably even get it off the ground
0: Mm -hmm. Hey, this is Jason and a big announcement. On Saturday, August 3rd, this podcast is sponsoring the first ever Hey Amarillo Beer Fest at Starlight Ranch Event Center. The event starts at 5 p.m. and it will be a celebration of craft beer in Amarillo. Six Car will be there. Pondicetta will be there. We'll have craft lines from the Big Texan and Long Wooden Spoon. We'll have breweries from Lubbock coming up for it. You can come sample tastings from these local breweries all in one place, and then we'll chase that down with a concert that evening featuring local duo Fine & Dandy, followed by Fast Lane and Eagles Tribute Band. It's going to be so much fun. Details and ticket information are coming soon, so save the date. Also, I want to give one more shout-out to Sidecar Photo Booth Company. If you are hosting a summer event, a beer tasting, let's say, or a company party, a wedding, a family reunion, a fundraiser, the best way to document that experience is with Sidecar. Their photos are amazing, and they're designed to be shared on social media. You can learn more and see examples at sidecarphotobooth.co. Okay, I'm back with Jeff Wyrick of Cavanus and Shake Hands uh, Ping Pong Tournament. Mm-hmm community. I don't know what the, the official <laughs> name is. Um, whatever you want. Whatever we want to call uh-huh. it. He's uh-huh. the ping pong guy. Uh-huh. Um, so this is the part of the show I call Eight Straight. Your uh-huh. job as my guest is to uh, answer the following eight questions in as much detail as you want to. We'll see where we end up on that. The first one is a question that I have uh, that's just for you. I haven't asked this of anybody else, obviously. Mm. But what's your favorite shake hands moment of to date, so like looking back at some of the the tournaments, the people, the you know the the things that happened there, is is there something that stands out?
1: I thought about this, and I, Jason, I think probably my favorite moment. I'll just say my favorite tournament because there was a lot of things at play. Uh, September last year, we had brought in a couple of friends into it that offered us a place. It was a new place. Uh, we were kind of on the heels of the July event, a Mm six-car. We had a lot of new players. And we were told there was an individual who played for the uh, Egypt national team that was going to play. To people that knew he was going to be there, there was a little bit of a buzz, like, well, let's see how legit this guy is, right? A gentleman's name was Mohammed. He walks in, smiles coolly. You know, he pulls out his racket. You know, he's warming up. I mean, he's warming up. And, I mean, people are, like, looking at him like, wow, he's different, Mm -hmm. you know, he plays different, he's fast, he's athletic. And I mean, like, from that moment, it was kind of like there was this unpredictability that, like, I mean, even I couldn't have drawn anything that looked like that. A pro-level player, right? you know, walking in out of Amarillo. He didn't travel in, and that was when you kind of watched – him and I think I had a picture of him flanked by, you know, the onlookers behind him, you know, just kinda pensively like watching, you know, like, wow, you know to look at this guy. Yeah, you know. And I think that was like one of those moments where it's kinda like, Well, isn't this cool? Muhammad walks in and he walks into this new space, we're just blasting music and he's like He's like wearing like, jeans and He's a wearing jeans, or yeah, and a sweater. And and I remember I heard later what was kind of funny is I heard a story about him and he was playing with one of our balls, you know, like a little one-star, two-star ball, right? Yeah. And, I, and I heard he, he kind of looked at it and tossed it away and reached for one of his, you know, uh-huh. and I'm like, yeah, you know, we're, we're kind of slumming it up here. We're not playing with the best gear, but, uh, you know, we've come far from that place, but uh, that was probably my favorite show. That, I mean,
0: that that's the story I tell when people uh-huh. ask me about it because I was there that night. Yeah, um, and I remember meeting him like right after he walked in. I was like, "That guy's new. He's different." I uh-huh. you know, went and talked to him, and I remember him saying. It was right before his match against Matt Morgan, which I think was maybe his first one. He was like, I'm very rusty. I haven't played. I don't usually wear jeans. I ask people what I should wear. You uh-huh. know, yeah, He's yeah. super humble. And uh-huh. I see him play Matt. Matt wins a couple of points. You can see Muhammad kind of loosening up, yeah. and then just boom. Yeah. It's in. like you're watching Forrest Gump in yeah, there. Yeah. You know,
1: Pins Matt to the yeah. wall. and You wouldn't I didn't, mind me saying that, dude. I didn't know. <laughs>
0: yeah. Like, I didn't know he was coming. I didn't uh-huh. have any... Idea who he was, right. and then just watching him that first game, I was like, yeah. "This, this uh-huh. is new." Yeah, I hope I don't play this guy. You know?
1: you know, I don't want to overstate the. I mean, what that meant for our league, but it was kind of cool. Like it was almost like an endorsement of like, no, we we will accommodate. Right, we'll find a way. Since then, we've got a few elite players into the fold. Um, you know, it's usually a four or five player that you know are at that level that. Might not beat them, you know, but they can play at that level, and I and I think that that was really kind of like that aha moment, mm-hmm. like oh, we're not talking about just guys like me and you, you know, there are other people,
0: which is know? what makes it cool, is that you uh, can not be great, you can come in and play, compete against people that are you know your level, your 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 level, um, and you can watch these guys play who are legit. Mm. Players yeah. and you know are doing the type of, of ping pong that you see yeah. on YouTube, you know, <laughs> and some of the yeah. Olympic games and stuff. Uh-huh. So yeah, yeah, I I think that's a cool, yeah. a cool moment. Cool. What's your favorite local coffee shop?
1: Uh, first off, I think this is just wildly unfair uh, for you to ask me, just because well, I've been I mean, asking every guest <laughs> just about every episode. Um, so well, I you know what I I will say I'm a big fan of Palace. I'm a big fan of Patrick. I think he runs a, a great business. I love his model. I love just kind of how, you know, he tinkers with things and tries new things. So I think they serve a great cup of coffee. Um, so I'll probably say uh, Patrick at Palace. Uh, I like Palace a lot. Second, probably Roasters.
0: Okay. Uh, yeah. What does this area have too much of?
1: You know, I, I thought about this one. I I think that Amarillo really struggles with No better way to say it, but probably urban decay. So living in Olson Park and working in in, uh, downtown, I see a lot of kind of, you know, dilapidated buildings and Mm -hmm. properties that just aren't being, you know, kept up. If that's the way you want to run your business, run your business that way. But there are things that are obvious. Uh, you know, kind of falling apart. And, you know, I'd like to see people that have a little bit more imagination and that can go into a place and say, you know, this is what we're going to do with this space. I I would have to say too, you know, I think of like Urban Decay. I'm a graffiti guy. I love graffiti. But, you know, I start to see it kind of show up and I'm like, oh, isn't that a bummer? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think Mason, I think his place got hit one day. By a, a guy who called him guy or girl, who called themselves droopy, and uh, just tagged his the side of his building. And I think he says something to the effect of, you know, I will always say that, like, if you're going to hit my place, if it's if it's artful, yeah, I'll leave it. Put some care, yeah, it, put droopy. some character. But no, we're going to paint over this, yeah. and like, yeah, that's the same way I am. I love seeing art around town, and I love spontaneity. Um, but I do think that there's a, you know, in some of our main thoroughfares, there's things that are kind of falling apart. And, uh, so what does this area not have enough of voters? All right. (laughs) That's a good answer. Uh, you know, people that are involved, people that want to see things change. I struggle when I look at, you know, how many people vote in municipal elections and, you know, it's. What is it? Less than 5% of probably the people that live in this town. And I would like to see people become, at least just start by being more interested. Yeah. You know, and, and the ins and outs of, of uh, our local politics and, and uh, start with just interest and then, you know, take it to putting your name behind it and voting. Uh, but I'd love to see more voter participation.
0: How do you describe Amarillo to people outside the area?
1: Usually geographically. Okay. Um, I will say that I am, I'm a, I'm. a bit of a bulldog when it comes to, uh, we are North Texas. Uh, so I say North Texas people, oh, Dallas. No, not Dallas. Yes, no, North. A little further north. Real north. Yeah. yeah. We're right in between Albuquerque and Oklahoma City. And a lot of times I'll say, chances are you've been through there.
0: When was the last time you went to the Big Texan?
1: Oh, it's been quite some time uh
0: you actually probably a couple of years a okay. couple of years Do you yeah. remember what the occasion was
1: uh, i was out there for uh for a, a gig that i did just part-time uh doing some uh copywriting and okay. you know some marketing for them but uh was amazed i mean i think when i went out there as a kid it was much smaller of a you know, spectacle than it is now. Even then, it was a spectacle. Even then, it was a spectacle. Talk about marketing and like, advertising. Yeah, but... three o'clock in the afternoon, it was packed. Yeah, Like the dining room was packed. Yeah. I'm like, who are these people? Well, they're people from out of town, Yeah, you know, coming through. It's, so. a, it's a destination. Absolutely.
0: What's your favorite Amarillo neighborhood?
1: I have to say Olson Park. All right. OP, yeah. I You know, Olson, I think, is... I don't know. I mean, it, it's kind of that perfect blend of like Wolfland and Belmar, you know, it's the kind of right in between space. They've got homes and, you know, the all price range and very walkable, very livable, got great schools and, uh, you
0: front know, facing garages that are perfect front facing garage. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, we're right on Tecla and, you know, it's, uh, you know, we get a lot of kind of passerbys. I love swinging open the garage and, playing some music and playing some ping pong. We've got a ping pong table in the park, coincidentally. Uh, So I kind of call it, it's kind of the epicenter of uh, ping pong. I think it's, you know, it's a great neighborhood. Got a nice, uh, we do block parties. We got, you know, the only neighborhood 4th of July parade that I'm aware of in town. Um, Very inviting. And uh, so, yeah, I'd say Austin Park. Oh, we also have a nice river that goes... Down Olsen, whenever Pick The right the, day. That's <laughs> yes, right. If you like Gross rivers. Sailing. Yeah, that's right. Huh?
0: Um, okay, last question Pack a Sack or Toot and Totem?
1: Uh, no real preference. I will say I find myself more inside of Toot Totem just from convenience alone. Okay. They got a lot of stores. And uh, yeah, if, I'm, uh, if I'm, I don't really have a preference. It's all about convenience. So okay. I say Toot and Totem. All right. That concludes the eight straight questions.
0: Jeff, I like to end by asking my guests to endorse something. Related to the area. So, what is one thing that you would like listeners to know about or to experience?
1: You know, we've uh, we've been blessed to found um, a community for our kids, uh, specifically my daughter, at uh, ALT Academy. Okay. Um, I think that ALT is just a class organization. They are, they drive kids to places they don't probably even think they can go. I mean, my daughter has discovered a passion that i mean we knew we we knew she had it in her but we really didn't have an idea how to kind of explore that from dancing to singing to uh you know to acting it's a great community it's a, it's a nice kind of soft edge community that kids can learn and mm-hmm. grow you know without feeling of the rejection there's tons of inclusion and uh, i think that jason is just you know turning out dynamite talent any other productions are top notch. Um, you know, we went to, uh, went to see the seniors send off uh, watching the seniors. And these kids that what they do at 17, 18 years old, yeah, all the way down to, you know, to like, you know, eight to 10 years old. I mean, they are uh, it's a great place to um, not only have your kids involved, but take in uh, their musicals and their plays. It's just the best.
0: Well, and you talk about the value of discomfort, you mm-hmm. know, and diversity for grownups like it. A place like the theater for kids, that's where they're going to get that too, because they're going to be challenged. They're going to be with kids that aren't, you know, their friends group at at whatever school Uh they go to.
1: You know, it's. We've always felt that way with our daughter, you know, that it's best to put her in uncomfortable positions. That's when she grows. We do the same thing for our son. It's like we kind of know that that's where that growth really starts, is when you're like standing in the spotlight. And looking into a dark auditorium, you don't know how many people are sitting out there. I mean, we've just seen amazing growth in her, so.
0: Jeff Wyrick, thanks for being on the podcast. I appreciate it. Appreciate it. And that concludes the episode. I want to say thanks to Jeff for the interview and to Dr. Eddie Sauer, SKP Creative, and Sidecar Photo Booth for the sponsorship. You can learn more about Shake Hands Pong on Facebook. Look it up there or at Shake Hands Pong on Instagram. It's it's a fun feed. If uh, you're interested, sign up for the June 30th tournament at 575 or the July 27th benefit at Six Car. So come out and watch the ping pong or uh, participate if you want to. I want to give props to Angelina Medina for editing the show and to my loyal crew of executive producers, Jennifer Callahan, Patrick Burns, Chris Katie Linger, Daniel Davis, Josh Wood, Neil Nossaman, Wilson Lemieux, Ryan Pennington, Wes Reeves, and Corey Burns. And one last request. If you like this show, go to Apple Podcasts and give it, well, let's say five stars, and leave a review. This helps other people find the show. Thank you for listening. My name is Jason Boyette, and I'll see you next week.